0: Hello everyone. Welcome to Setter Talk. I am your host, Kyle Warren. Today we continue the series on homing pigeons. In this installment, we're going to talk about some of the previously mentioned topics on a deeper level, and we're also going to talk about some new areas as well. Let's start off talking about giving your pigeons health exams. It's very important to make sure that your birds are healthy. Uh, Otherwise, uh, you could lose the whole flock to disease, um, whether it be them transmitting it to one another or they just uh, become overwhelmed with it and you lose them in flight. So we want to make sure that that's not happening. So firstly, we want to make sure that we know how to hold the pigeon properly when we're examining it. Uh, I tend to hold the pigeon predominantly in my dominant hand. I am a righty, so when I'm holding the pigeon, I tend to uh, scissor its toes or feet with my pointer finger and my middle finger. So that way I'm just above its toes and I have the legs uh, locked in between those two fingers. My right thumb kind of comes over the top of the end of the wings that are resting on top of its back uh, and tail area. Meanwhile, I'm going to, when I'm transporting the pigeon while holding it, keep the pigeon's chest, its crop area, firmly against my stomach or chest. Pretty much that will immobilize the pigeon, make the pigeon feel very secure, and you should get the least amount of fight out of the pigeon while you're holding it in that manner. So now, uh, if we kind of look over the pigeon from head to toe, um, uh, starting off looking at its eyes, uh, waddle, which we'll say is kind of its nose, and beak, um, what we want to do is, with that secure hold, that scissor hold around its feet and toes, and uh, that thumb curling over the top of its back as described, you can now hold it away from your body and put the palm of your left hand on the front end of the pigeon, on its chest and crop area. Then what you're gonna do with your thumb and your pointer finger on your left hand is hold the tip of the beak so you can examine uh, the eye and the side of the head. Now when you're doing this, um, what we're looking for is for the skin around the eye and the wattle itself, which is, we'll say it's nose, Um, to be a nice chalky white, uh, if it's seems kind of wet, damp, yellowish or brown, uh, then your, your bird, your pigeon is definitely not in top form and probably has some type of respiratory illness, uh, and possibly, um, other ailments as well. So that's one of the first easy visual indicators, uh, that we have a problem there. Furthermore, and this applies uh, to uh, more so uh, the homing pigeons that we're demanding greater distances of. Let's just say routinely fifty miles or more, uh, up to hundreds of miles. Uh, there's a ring that we call the Vermian's ring. That within the eye structure, it's a black line that goes around the perimeter of the eyeball, um, and the more pronounced that is the healthier and stronger the vitality of that pigeon is. So when you can see that, you know your pigeon's probably getting into top form, you know, can handle a lot of stress on its body in terms of flying on the wing uh, for a number of hours. Um, But if you're seeing a discoloration in the uh, uh, skin around the eyeball itself and its waddle, um, you're probably not going to see that Vermeons ring as well. Uh, around the eyeball itself. Pigeons blink very quickly. Uh, If you have a pigeon that you see on the floor or in your hand that's blinking very slowly, that's also an indication that there's definitely something wrong. Uh, There's a terrific uh, one-eye cold medication. If you see just one eye is kind of sealed shut or kind of droopy, um, made by a company called Dr. Pigeon, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, voice pigeon supply sells uh, often a whole line of their products and uh, it's one drop one time in the eye and it's amazing it's an herbal tincture uh, and kills and clears up anything that's going on wrong with that one eye uh, and we call those one-eyed colds uh, you'll see that from time to time in the birds so that's a great remedy for that particular issue uh, now moving on away from the eye uh, to, uh, examining inside the mouth of the bird. So as I said, if I'm, uh, securing the pigeon's body with my right hand as previously described, and the palm of my hand is somewhat supporting the chest and the crop neck area of the pigeon, my thumb and my pointer finger, again, are securing the beak. What I would want to do now is use, help my middle finger and my pointer finger, uh, raise the Uh, top beak while I secure the bottom beak um, with uh, uh, my thumb and my middle finger. So my pointer finger at this point is raising um, uh, the uh, top bill so I can look inside the mouth of the pigeon. Now once you're able to secure the bird and open up its mouth, what are you looking for? Well, you're looking for in the roof of the mouth um, there should be a long slit, a long gap, and that should be open uh, running pretty much the length of the uh, pigeon's uh, pigeon's top palate. And what that does is uh, if that's sealed shut, that's a key sign of some respiratory issues going on. You want that nice and open, so uh, air should be able to circling through there. Um, but if that 's closed up uh, then your then your pigeon again is definitely compromised, and you should not be pushing them many miles up the road or using them for training at great distances. We need to resolve uh, these respiratory issues um, uh, so you don 't lose any of your flock, and the pigeon can recover uh, successfully so that 's a really important thing. The other thing that we look for when we look in the mouth um, there 's something called canker and uh, canker. Um, is a symptom of a type of fungal infection. On a gross described level, it almost looks like a yellow cheddar cheese um, in there. It has a very cheesy appearance and actually very much the same in terms of texture. Uh, usually, if you're doing a lot of your preventative medications, you should never see this uh, occur. But if you're getting pigeons secondhand, you don't know what the history is or you've tried to capture barn pigeons or something of that nature then you might uh, have a flare-up of this Um, so it it can be treated however sometimes uh, by the time you notice it in the mouth it means that it's kind of throughout the the pigeon's uh, system in which case uh, it might be too late for that pigeon uh, uh, and it might expire but nonetheless you can remove it um, uh, with a toothpick the best that you can You can uh, treat it. Uh, There are a a handful of medications that you can look up to treat canker um, and the symptoms of that. Uh, But most importantly, there is a lot of uh, preventative medications that you can kind of give to your pigeons um, three to four times a year. Uh, Just uh, make sure that there's kind of a gap, you know, in terms of your medication process, you kind of give them all their meds they need um, in that November timetable that we talked about in part one of this homing pigeon series. Um, and then you, you're gonna roll into your breeding season and you can give it again at the conclusion of your breeding season, cause you don't wanna have it potentially interfere with your egg production at all, cause some of those medications are pretty strong. And then you can give it again um, uh, uh, late summer and then again in November. Um, and that goes for your dewormers, your, your, your canker related stuff. Now there's lots of things that you can give pre- preventatively speaking, um, throughout the year that I would recommend, um, such as herbal supplements, uh, as well as, uh, other all natural things. Apple cider vinegar is a great thing for parasite control. They can give an ounce, uh, in a gallon of water twice a week. Um, uh, or if you can, uh, uh, expand your, your, uh, pigeon expense account, um, there's a fantastic, uh, Norwegian company that makes, it's called, um, uh, uh, pigeon vitality, uh, they have one called the improver formula and one called the antifungal, you give them together, it's water soluble, you put it in a gallon of water. And you can give that uh, on the weekends um, uh, as a long-term regimen. And if the birds get down or off their game at all, you can give it every day if you need to. But that's been a fantastic immune system uh, stimulant and booster. Um, So I I definitely would recommend that product as well. Uh, Staying inside the mouth of the pigeon, um, sometimes you'll see uh, white spots um, on the top uh, that sometimes can be a sign of, uh, thrush. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about that. Uh, but there are some, uh, herbal type, uh, um, supplements that you can utilize, even, uh, put it on a, um, uh, a Q-tip and swab it on there. Uh, but these are all things that you just want to be aware of in your flock. Uh, you want to be breeding healthy pigeons. You want to be on top of their health programs, uh, because certainly they're going to have difficulty on uh, the ones that we're putting stronger demands on um, in terms of many miles on the wing. So now we've looked at the, um, the eye structure. We've looked inside the bird's mouth. We've, we've looked at their wattle. Uh, other things that we assess, uh, birds have crops where when they eat their grain, uh, the grain goes uh, down, Uh, through the gizzard into this uh, storage area that would, um, uh, you know, where all the food will sit. Now, generally speaking, uh, we want to make sure that the uh, pigeons do not have any food in their system first thing in the morning. Most of us, as I mentioned in part one, should be training our birds, our young birds particularly, uh, in the early morning hours, to give them the whole day and they get the cool part of the day, assuming that we're training late spring and uh, summertime. In the crop, you're going to see in the early morning hours an empty crop. You should not feel a single grain uh, if you're gently squeezing the front end of that pigeon where their crop is. If there is undigested food in there, first thing in the morning when you're crating up your birds to take them for a training toss, uh, then Generally, that means that if we're talking about late summer, uh, end of August, early September, that they probably have a uh, virus called the adenovirus. Now it can pass without any treatment. However, they do make a fantastic medication called adenozap. Now there are several other medications out there as well, but adenozap, again, uh, pretty much a capful put into a gallon. Uh, has been a fantastic aid in, uh, getting rid of the adenovirus in young birds, um, uh, to get them back on track as soon as possible. Uh, the birds that get adenovirus will, uh, lose a lot of weight. Uh, they'll be vomiting up their food. It's highly contagious by sharing their water sources and the other pigeons eating the, uh, grain that the infected birds had vomited. Uh, most often this disease is seen when you're mingling your pigeons with other flocks. Uh, you know so if you're if you happen to race pigeons as well as use them for your bird dogs, generally it's between the second and fourth weeks of racing young birds, which puts you at the end of August to uh, uh, first half of September when these symptoms would start to arise. <clears throat> so certainly you could see these symptoms in your own flock if you're exclusively using them for your bird dogs. However, um, you know, uh, you should just make sure that uh, you're aware of these symptoms and, and how to treat it. So it's good to have this adeno zap on hand uh, in your pigeon medicine cabinet. It's also good to have some uh, moxicillin, uh, a powder, that again can go in the water as well. Um, and that can also help fast track. So we'd wanna isolate these birds uh, if you're able, whether they're in a dog crate, a separate section, uh, generally with the AdenoZap, you see a huge turnaround uh, in just three days time uh, with them uh, having that adeno zap in their water supply as their sole source of drinking water. Um, so you should not feel any uh, grain in a pigeon's crop first thing in the morning if their last meal was uh, the afternoon or early evening uh, beforehand. So moving on down the bird, if you're holding the bird now, uh, after those examinations, and you rotate the bird back to the original secure position as I described, where your right hand is securing the the legs and the rear end of the bird, and the bird's chest and crop area is against your stomach and chest area, Now what you can do is start to examine the belly side of the bird. So there's a bone that runs uh, from breast all the way to the rear end to the vents and the anus of the pigeon. That bone is called the keel bone. When you look at that, um, we can part the feathers. If we lift uh, the rear end of the bird up, so now its head is more so facing towards the ground, you can spread the feathers with your left hand and examine the breasts of the pigeon. What we're looking for preferably, is a pigeon that uh, is red and pink in coloration on its breast muscle, uh, not blue or purple. So if we see blue or purple, then we know that the pigeon is definitely in distress and hurt, and we have some oxygen-related issues, along with potentially some other toxins that the bird's body is just having a hard time expelling, due to the stress of some serious flight that it might have recently had. A lot of people just push their birds way too much, or if the hawks are chasing them constantly and they're spending many hours a day on the wing, they're not robots or machines. You know They're amazing athletes, uh, but they certainly have their limits as well. Uh, one of the great things that you can give after uh, several hours on the wing, and pretty much figure for every two hours, uh, straight, a pigeon flies, they really should have, and this can be an overestimate with well-bred, well-muscled, well-taken-care-of homing pigeons that are actually in race form, but pretty much you can figure if they are on the wing, for every two hours they're on the wing, um, they should have a a day's rest. So, you know, if they're on the wing for a total of six hours, you know, which you can fly, a, depending upon the weather conditions, a a two to 600 plus mile uh, race, um, then they should be locked up after that for three to four days and uh, given rest and given the appropriate supplementation to allow their body to recuperate. One of the great supplements you can give, Vita King Supply actually makes a a great supplement. It's a grape sugar extract uh, that's backed with uh, vitamin C and ascorbic acid. Um, It's a powder, again, goes in the water. Uh, that really has pigeons, uh, uh, back to, um, uh, rebound and, and restore themselves very quickly. Uh, I also, after some serious flying, um, will make sure that I give the improver formula for a solid, uh, two, preferably three days, uh, with the antifungal formula that's made by, um, that pigeon vitality company, uh, that I had earlier, uh, mentioned. So that's really important. Um. So you're you're checking for that. You're also just checking, you know, to make sure that there's no bruising or injuries. You know, if the pigeons had been chased by a hawk, you know, that might've caused them to have to fly into or through trees or power lines, or maybe they actually uh, got nabbed by a hawk a little bit and have a slight injury um, or a gash there. So you want to uh, examine all of that and make sure there's no bruising or or, or lacerations or anything of that nature. Now, if we're just talking uh, homing pigeons for the sake of bird dogs, depending upon how far you're taking your birds, they might not ever actually get remotely near peak form um, if they're not getting road trained uh, on a regular basis or racing. Um, But if they are in peak form, uh, things that you'll see on their stomach is that normally it's kind of this white, scaly appearance. Birds that are in much better condition and shape and health that, the, that flakiness will come off and you'll be able to see the coloration of uh, their their skin and their, their breast muscle much more clearly uh, because they're in more and better top form. Uh, so that's something else that you can also examine. When we're looking at <clears throat> moving your finger on down uh, the keel bone um, from uh, uh, breast to the rear end, there's going to be two bones if you run your pointer finger, your right pointer finger that was securing the bird. So now at this point, I am have the bird uh, back holding it horizontally with its uh, chest against uh, mine. And I'm securing it more so with my left hand while I – and I'm just going to cuff its hind end with its feet and its uh, uh, tail and end of the wings with my left hand now because I'm right hand dominant. And I'm going to run my finger along that keel bone, my right pointer finger. And once the end of the keel bone comes, you're going to feel two bones. Those are the vent bones um, through which uh, if they're female, um, the eggs uh, come out uh, in between uh, through the anus. Um, uh, But that also determines the strength of the pigeon. This is the least important thing for just a bird dog guy. But if you're racing homing pigeons um, or you're going to be having homing pigeons for the sake of your bird dogs and they're going to be routinely you know, going hundred or hundreds of miles um, if conditioned properly, the strength of the pigeon means a lot. So um, you know, the, the, the fatter and longer those vents are off the back end of the keel bone, the better off you are. Um, that You want them to be thick and strong. You do not ever want to apply a lot of pressure. You can break a vent bone. Um, but you but you want to um, just run your fingers you know somewhat firmly against them, and if they are nice, thick, strong, and long, that's a really strong pigeon. The other thing that you can assess for overall strength of the bird is back muscles are really important for uh, a bird. So when you hold your pigeon um, and you loosely have your thumb on top of its back. Uh, you can and you hold it away from you hold its chest away from your chest. You look to see how much the tail dips down uh, on the on the bird versus it kind of staying straight out. That can also be a sign of a uh, back strength if the tail stays kind of up if it dips down a bit it's not the end of the world. it just means that that pigeon might not be quite as strong um, or gritty uh, if push came the shove uh, in a, in, a, in a much more difficult flight. So, these are a couple different pointers. Let's uh, move on down to the, uh, uh, or over, I should say, to examining the wings. So, now I'm holding this pigeon in, in our initial described secure position with my right hand uh, scissoring the, the legs and the feet and my, uh, th- my right thumb over the top of the pigeon. Now when I'm looking at this, um, I now I'm going to take my left hand and spread from the uh, uh, second joint on on the wing. So we'll say the first joint is where the wing meets the body. The second joint um, is kind of where the wing uh, bones are able to shape that V shape of the wing. At that point, that's where you're gonna kind of fan it open and out. Um, uh, so that's going to extend the whole wing to expose all the feathers. Now the 10 outermost feathers are the flight feathers, which we call the primary feathers. And then you have the uh, inner feathers that goes from the primary feathers to the body. Those are the secondary feathers. As you fan out the wing and you are feeling um, that joint, sometimes there'll be like a boil or a knot on that joint that can be a sign of paratyphoid. And sometimes those birds, they'll drop or drag their wing a little bit if they're just like walking across the floor of the coop. And certainly their flying can be compromised, not always, but it can be. Now, uh, we do vaccinate uh, pigeons for the paramyxovirus and paratyphoid. So this is something that hopefully you can eliminate in your loft Uh, and vaccinate for it uh, going forward in the future uh, because that is definitely one disease that can wreak havoc on your breeding program and you can have a lot of babies dying inside the egg and um, uh, it's definitely a devastating experience when you're trying to build up your flock and maintain a healthy flock. But that would be one symptom of uh, paratyphoid. Looking at the feathers, uh, a healthy pigeon is going to molt its primary feathers, its flight feathers, one at a time, and it's usually going to the the innermost flight feather, the smallest one. That's considered the first flight feather, and then uh, they have 10, and then the utmost outer feather, the l- longest and most narrow one, uh, is the 10th. So they will molt uh, typically one every one to two weeks, um, Uh, throughout uh, the year. Now, their molting generally will start sometime in the spring, and then uh, it will, depending upon how hard they're pushed in terms of stress on their body for flying, they might not finish up until December. Uh, Now, when we look at the older birds, generally if you're raising babies out of them, which we will say everybody that's listening to this, uh, that's the plan, uh, you will find that they start to molt those uh, feathers uh, if we're taking away the whole idea of unnatural light. So if you have lights in your coop, that that messes around with their molt in all different ways. But let's just say we're going with natural light for the most part, not uh, giving them any more than maybe one or two hours of daylight maximum uh, with the lights in the coop. I, I like to go with the natural lighting, so I'm not screwing things up too much. Uh, When it comes to the molt itself. But usually once the uh, uh, birds have had a second round of eggs, if you put them together kind of on the early side um, and and they come down on a second round of eggs, normally once those babies are like two weeks old, uh, the second round we're talking about, that's when the birds are going to start to uh, start their molting of their primaries more times than not. So you might, uh, depending upon when you put your birds together, you might start that process a little bit earlier. Now, again, for the average bird dog owner and using the pigeons to train their bird dogs, this is not really that big of a problem at all. Just things, again, depending upon how far you're taking your birds to fly, um, you can always have them fly and fly decent distances throughout the whole molting process during the year. But there are some key flights that if they're dropping them you don't want to take them great distances because it's going to be a more challenging flight and i've seen birds missing all kinds of flights fly all kinds of distances this is just talking about proper premium care to ensure that you're not losing uh birds when uh, you don't need to um and that is uh, uh your fourth fifth and sixth flights are very critical flights uh for them to propel themselves forward those are your fattest flights um, at a, at a critical point in the wing, that's going to, uh, uh, cause a tremendous amount of difficulty and exertion, uh, to make them fly over great distances. So keep that in mind. Uh, if you're ever examining your, your pigeon's wing and you see two flights are missing, um, that's usually an indication of one of two things, either one, the pigeon. Uh, is absolutely super healthy and doing amazing but you got to be cautious now because now it has an extra large gap in its wing so uh, you might need to give that bird a little bit of rest time uh, to allow for the for the uh, new feathers to come up a certain distance uh, so it doesn't have such a big hole in its wing um, or other than super healthy it means that it's just gotten over uh, a very serious illness or injury uh, and its body was conserving a tremendous amount of its energy. And it, 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 it and that means that it was stopping the molt at that point in time. So that bird needs to be evaluated and examined um, as well. You also might notice that <clears throat> when you look at uh, your whole flock as you're examining them from time to time, depending upon the age, let's just say they're all relatively the same age. You know, you should find that each each round of young ones that you have, you know, so you might have two or three rounds on your team that you're that you're uh law flying and road training, each of those rounds should kind of be at the same point in their molt on their wing. So if you have your first round, you know, all seem to be on their seventh flights or tips uh in terms of molting them out. And then you got one first round that's on uh uh you know, their their second uh flight. There's something wrong with that bird, you know, whether it's got some other underlying disease that you need to be attentive to or um, uh, it was injured, you know, there's something was going on with that bird to cause it to only um, be at the second flight with all the same age other birds at the seventh flight. So whether you quarantine it or you just become aware of it, um, you know, it's good to uh, stay on top of your flock health um, through these physical examinations and in regards to the wing uh, exam. This is one of the things that uh, you might notice. Uh, the secondary feathers they usually hold until they start to go into their total body molt, and they literally lose every feather on their body. Typically, between July and the end of September, um, and this is when your loft, your coop, will be filled with body feathers. So they lose; they can look pretty ugly, and 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 uh, lose all all the feathers on the neck. At sometimes it depends on the stresses that they're put under between breeding and flying, and where all their reserves are being allocated by their body. Um, but in general, um, if we're talking about natural light uh, in the coop and uh, year round in uh, the U.S., uh, you're going to be seeing birds dropping their body feathers sometime in July all through uh september now at some point you know probably close to your hunting season the pigeons will start to get a greater rest and as as the stresses on their body get reduced you'll see them pushing through uh their flight feathers more quickly you know so your third round of babies maybe uh might 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 have been pushed kind of fast uh to the road training because the other birds were there and they're there and they're but they're younger but they're getting the same demand So they're not moving through their molt quite as quickly on their flight feathers, uh because their body's allocating resources where it needs to. And then you kinda shut them down using the pigeons because now you're into your wild birds, your preserves, and whatever else you're doing uh with your bird dogs. And uh you might find a you know, they might like rapidly go through uh trying to crunch it in before the end of the year, so to speak, the end of the, you know, full molting season to see if they can complete it. Again, for bird dog people uh, that are just using pigeons just for bird dogs, it's not a big deal. If you're also racing your pigeons competitively, it is a really big deal because they will end up molting uh, uh, in two spots on the same wing the following year when they're going to be racing. And that's very problematic uh, because obviously they're not going to have a full wing um, to propel themselves in flight. So these are issues that you can come across um, And you should just be aware of uh, whether or not they actually uh, make a difference to you or not, Um, depending upon the capacity in which you're utilizing your pigeons is going to vary on a case-by-case situation. So the other thing that we can do in a physical exam is hold the pigeon uh, with your right hand firmly as described initially, and then your left hand securing the front end of the bird near its crop and in front of its chest, and hold the pigeon up to your ear or close to your head so you can also listen to its respiratory system uh, with your ear and you know if you hear any kind of gurgling or rattling that's not good that's also a sign of severe respiratory infection so we call it the rattles you know Um, there's a bunch of respiratory medications that you can give preventatively um, that you can give uh, uh, when you hear and see symptoms uh, but a huge part of the pigeon's body um, are lungs and air sacs and depending upon where you live in the country, you know, you're in the northeast, on the whole east coast for that matter, we have a tremendous amount of humidity and therefore we get a tremendous amount of, of respiratory infections. Um, so it's important to make sure that the loft is well ventilated. It's important that they get outside a lot. Um, it's important that you don't demand, uh, a lot of stress flying from them, uh, when the humidity is high and, and the heat is high. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, the humidity is so bad in the summertime, you let them out first in the morning, but they are so thick, you could cut it with a knife. Your team goes up in the air, they fly around for three to 10 minutes and they come down with their panting. Uh, pigeons have porous skin like people. They do sweat and you know their, aren't, their, their uh, wings will be away from their body, they'll be drooped, their mouths will be wide open, they'll be panting, you're like, oh my god, I got a respiratory infection. You might not have a respiratory infection, you just let the birds out and it's really difficult to fly when the air is that heavy and they just can't breathe, they can't, they can't exchange um, what they need to exchange with that air uh, to make it productive. So, um, so that might be just something to take into account for a side note. But uh, a great uh, uh, medication to have on hand, Uh, an antibiotic, interestingly, for dogs, uh, it's an intestinal antibiotic for uh, colitis and whatnot, but in pigeons, it's a respiratory antibiotic and that is Thailand. Uh, That's a fantastic um, uh, respiratory medication in pigeons uh, that can work uh, quite well. Now, um, there are a bunch of medications that you should read up on that we won't go into and spend uh, time on uh, that uh, is always good to have in your pigeon uh, medicine cabinet, Uh, but you do want to have several different types of respiratory medications and uh, supportive uh, uh, medications or supplements to try to prevent this from happening in addition to quality loft hygiene and ventilation. Um, So that's examining the pigeons uh, uh, breathing just literally by listening to it. You can also go into your loft at night uh, you know, during the uh, non-winter months uh, if you're in the northern part of the country and just stand there for like five or ten minutes and see if you hear anything and you shouldn't hear anything in regards to uh, the birds breathing. It should be pretty quiet other than normal pigeon sounds if they're bumping into one another on the perches. So that's really important. Um, on the note, while we're talking about standing in your coops at night, um, sometimes they can get these mites, um, and you'll—they're uh, like—they uh, get on their legs a lot, and they'll be like tap dancing, and be—you'll—you'll you'll hear them, you know, and they'll be constantly trying to get these mites off of them, and they can live in the perches, and the wood on the walls, you know, and you'll have to uh, deal with uh, that parasite control, Um, can be a pain in the butt, but your birds don't get any rest, it doesn't kill them, it really doesn't hurt them, but they're just annoying as can be, Um, and they are visible, um, but the pigeon just gets no rest at all, so, uh, and then we go and demand them to fly tens or hundreds of miles, and then we wonder why they don't come home or they come home late, Um, so that's something that you want to stay on top of. I personally do like the Prozap pest strips that I hang. They're like the yellow wax bars. comes in the white um, plastic containers that you can uh, hang up on a nail or something up high. That takes care of a lot of parasites in general. Um, you can also um, get some pyrethrin dust, some 7-dust uh, for uh, when you fan their wings out. And, you, look, and you, f- you kind of flip their wing upside down and look at the underside. You might see the common feather louse. Um, that's very common in the summertime. Now, generally, those Prozap pest strips will take care of that, and you won't have to worry about it, but um, nonetheless, uh, you know they are uh, prone to uh, getting these lice. Don't freak out. They're not going to live on you forever or anything like that. They're, they're kind of oblong looking, and they're tiny. If you're wearing a white t-shirt and you're holding the pigeon against your shirt um, in the summertime, you might see them kind of crawling around in your shirt, again, don't freak out. They're not going to bite you. Um, it's not a big deal. You can just pluck them off your shirt, but it does mean that you probably need some parasite control. So seven dust on the birds if you want, and or the Prozac pest strips are fine. Obviously, if you're dealing with the seven dust, wear a mask, um, powder the bird's wings gently outside, um, and uh, uh, you know be safe about that. But um, this is just part of the game that you might have to deal with. One of the last things on the health exam is actually going to be examining the bird's droppings. Now, certainly you can nerd out on this and get yourself a microscope and learn how to read the stool droppings and treat them appropriately for whatever you might uh, be uh, experiencing in terms of uh, internal parasites. Uh, however, in terms of uh, the way that uh, pristine healthy pigeon poop should look it should look like little white cap marbles and uh, depending upon how you decide to keep your loft clean whether um, each pigeon has a shelf or a little cubby hole so you can see each pigeon's uh, uh, stool that way or you're cleaning uh, the stool um, off of the floor or hay or straw whatever you have as a bed or corn cob bedding Um, you want to be able to examine the bird's uh, stool uh, because that's the first thing that uh, uh, is going to be very inconsistent um, and loose uh, if the bird is unwell. Now, you can have a bird that uh, is stressed from flight, just came back from a race or just came back from a very long or difficult uh, training toss, and that bird could have uh, watery droppings. Uh, that would be totally normal we would want to wait and see over the next day or two what would happen with that Um, so the floor of your coop could have what we would refer to as wet droppings um, and it looked kind of nasty and it might be totally fine the other thing that will cause watery droppings um, is when you're fasting your birds so there's a whole uh feeding protocol when when we start talking about fasting uh pigeons uh to get them prepped for the race and get them to be nice and buoyant and the day before the race we'll feed them very light and that on the on the day of shipping is going to cause them uh to have some loose stool but then we we load them up in that morning and there's this whole process that we don't need to get into right now but just know that if you're underfeeding your birds um loose stool can also be um a uh, can present as a symptom of that. Uh so you want to make sure that you're adequately feeding your birds. Um, uh you know a lot of you will be feeding uh game bird pellets uh or um uh chicken pellets. If you're going to feed one or the other, uh obviously as a competitive uh, pigeon racer of my entire life I cringe at the thought of that. They do make pigeon pellets by the way. Um, but, uh, uh, do feed the pellets. Don't give them mash or anything like that. That just requires them to suck down copious amounts of water that isn't, uh, really necessary. Uh, and it's also a mess and a waste in a lot of ways. Uh, if you're going to go for broke and, uh, feed them an actual, uh, pigeon grain diet, uh, where there are multi or it's a multiple grain, uh, uh, bag of feed, uh, there's lots of companies out there. The one that I uh, generally feed is called Brands. It's made by Browns, um, but uh, they they have a, a multitude of grains in there that inc- you know, that that can include uh, uh, corn, uh, Canadian maple peas, vetch, flax, safflower, millet, um, uh, a, a, a several other different uh, hemp, several other different uh, grains in there as well. Um, some are more important than others uh certainly um, uh we can get into that just a, a little bit I'll touch upon that in terms of uh longer flying and and uh necessary uh uh grains that are required but just getting back to the stool quickly um know that you should uh examine that uh regularly the best time to examine that is first thing in the morning before they've jumped off the perches and stepped on it and walked through it you know so Go in there you know, with your flashlight every so often you know before the sun comes up, and they're all still sitting on their perches, and you can look on the floor underneath the perches, or um, uh, you can look in their little cubby holes whatever whatever your setup is, and uh make that assessment, but they should look like perfectly round little white cap marbles, and if they don't um some way their body is under uh, stress, and perhaps you can do something about it if you see that that is consistent. All right, so that's a a relatively detailed overview of a physical exam on a bird, uh, what some certain things that could be bad might mean, and what you could uh, potentially do about them. Um Let's talk a little bit more about uh, feeding of the birds in terms of uh, if you're going to feed them anything additional for the sake of um, uh, more stressful flights. Uh, so uh, the main thing you look at if we look at fat and protein, uh, and you know when, when, a, when race birds come home from a race, uh, one of the first things that they go for is the corn. You know, so as soon as you start working your pigeons hard, they're going to go for the corn. If you're not working your pigeons hard, they're not going to go for the corn. Um, so that's always an indicator that their bodies are starting to kick into another gear in terms of road training, racing, you know, or very long demanded training flights. Um, they'll go right for that corn right away. Um, and you can give them what they call popcorn, or whole corn. Uh, in pigeon grain, generally, it's whole corn, they have the smaller kernel corn that they call popcorn, you do not want to give crack corn, uh, you want to give whole corn. So in the pigeon grains when you buy from these pigeon grain companies, I mean, you know, the feed is just a lot cleaner, there's not dust all over it um, and and uh, obviously they have a very specific ratios of... Grain mixtures to equal certain fat and protein that's required uh, for when um, we're putting these demands on them as we increase their mileage on a regular basis uh, as they fly in these um, race seasons for uh, uh, up to three months um, uh, in weekly races um, with a few weeks off here and there. But they'll go for corn. Corn needs to be a part of their diet. Um, the other thing, safflower. They love safflower. Safflower is also really, really good for babies. I recommend you have a bag of safflower around for when you're taking the babies uh, out of the nest and putting them in the new section. They almost will live off of safflower if you let them. Um, they absolutely love that. So that's really good. It's high in fat. It's good protein. Uh, it's a super food uh, for pigeons. Is safflower. Um, the uh, safflower also for road training birds, they very much like it. Um, it's a great food. Um, pigeons, when they're taking off, when you open up those crates or you shoot them out of their launcher you know, to go up and fly home, to get up to cruising speed, they burn uh, you know, 50 to 60-some-odd percent of their uh, fuel to get up to that cruising speed. Um, so when you look at that's how they're burning that energy, a lot of that energy can come from safflower. Um, your 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 longer uh, chain fats and sugars, uh, you can look at uh, if you want to get real fancy, um, you can uh, get some uh, raw Spanish peanuts. Us in the pigeon world uh, will use these. A lot. Uh, again, this is more for uh, you know extreme flying, so you know you can stick with your corn, safflower, you know, uh, supplementing your your pigeon pellets. You know, um, or if you're getting your mixed grains, just make sure that you get the uh, uh, you know they have that has ample uh, safflower uh, and and corn. Now, safflower can be a little bit more expensive, so sometimes you you'll you'll get this quote unquote pigeon mix and you'll open up the bag, and it's going to look like a bunch of millet, some peas, and some corn, um, well, buy a bag of safflower and mix it in, uh, and that can go a real long way in your pigeons' health uh, in terms of their nutritional needs. Uh, but getting back to your uh, your your longer flights, hundreds of miles we're talking now, um, uh, usually like the last three days leading up to this uh, anticipated long flight, um, that's when I'll start to make a uh, Span raw Spanish peanuts, uh, roughly, uh, 10 to 15% of their diet. And, uh, it's, the pigeons actually absolutely go ballistic for it. It's like little kids in chocolate. So, uh, I'll give them that separately from their mixed grains, uh, after they've eaten all of their grains, um, uh, because they'll just fill right up on the, on the peanuts or they will be so much anticipating it. Um, once you've done it, or if you have done it, uh, you know how crazy they go for those peanuts. Uh, so if you like the pigeons and you like to see them happy, that's definitely something that you can do. And it's good. It's a very healthy for them to do in small doses. Uh, you can't overdo it. You don't want to give them too much, but a 10% ration is absolutely fine. Generally speaking, pigeons need to eat uh, a healthy pigeon in shape needs an ounce of grain a day. That's not a lot of grain. Uh, they eat more when they're not in shape. Uh, so, uh, an ounce of grain a day on average, uh, in general, uh, I think you're better ever so slightly overfeeding them than underfeeding them uh, if we're not talking about uh, racing pigeons. Um, that being said, when you look at how you are feeding them, um, you know, uh, you look at them, you think in terms of an ounce a day, if you're feeding them twice a day, um, you know, you you figure you figure out that math, you know, based on the number of pigeons in the section into the trough that you're feeding them on. And uh, you know, um uh from that, you know, you kinda see you go back in the afternoon or the next morning and you assess the last thing they're gonna eat just like little kids are their peas. Um so if you got a ton of peas in there, you're overfeeding them and you can feed them less. So you're going to have to just judge that and figure that out. you know the, the, the their metabolism kicks in, and they, they do a much better job of digesting when they're uh, racing hard, working hard, um, and fed their right amount. So uh, that is a little bit of a learning curve uh, that you will uh, learn going forward. Okay, Bouncing around on topics a little bit. Um, let's talk about bathing your birds. Um, as I mentioned earlier, pigeons do sweat. So you want to make sure that when you're packing them up, uh, you're not overpacking them in terms of too tightly, overcrowding them too tightly in their crates. Uh, It's nice to have kind of a mesh crate so or a well-ventilated crate, not just through the top but on the sides as well, if possible, um, just to minimize the sweating before flight. Uh, And you know, pigeons, I'm sure different pigeons to dogs smell differently. Um, am I'm, I'm always talking about this one pigeon that has managed to avoid the hawks over the years. He's helped me train 77 bird dogs now and in counting. Um, and, uh, he's just an amazing bird. Um, uh, uh you know, just this week started a couple more bird dogs and, uh, he's just racking up his numbers as he's Oh, how old is that bird now? I I think he's got to be 2012, so he's 8 years old. Um and uh he's just been a a real reliable steady eddy for me. Um but when we look at how um we're going to uh, uh help the birds a lot, bathing them means a lot. And just regular water, you don't need to give them bath salts though. They do make them for pigeons. Um but you bathe them uh Pigeons create a lot of like calcum powder, white dust, a white powder. So um, uh, that allows them to get that off, allows them to get the sweat off. Uh, sometimes, uh, when uh, uh, dogs that were uh, handling and pointing pigeons well and seemed interested in them seem to lose interest or seem to be having a hard time uh, pointing them, uh, and you're using the same birds you always used. Um, besides scent conditions and poor weather for scenting conditions for your dog, I tell people, give your, give your pigeons a bath. You know, if it's not the winter time, uh, they sell pigeon trays, pigeon bath pans that you can put, um, uh, you know, an inch of water in or more and the birds love it. They go in there, they'll waddle in it, they'll roll around, they'll clean themselves and then they'll give themselves a sun bath after that. Uh, so whether you put it in the screen box safely away from, uh, 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 hawks, or you put it outside on the, on the ground on a nice sunny day, um, that goes a long way. And you can do that, you know, once a week for my race birds. I do it once a week. I usually do it midweek. So, uh, cause that, uh, that talcum powder, that powder kind of acts as a rain repellent, uh, like rain X, uh, on their, on their wings. So you wouldn't want to give them the bath, Uh, the day before a race or you're gonna take them a long flight and then maybe there's some chance of rain in the forecast and that's gonna um, negatively affect their flying but it can substantially get you know uh, uh, enable them to actually smell more um, uh, in a good way uh, as far as our bird dogs go i've seen that happen time and time again so know that bathing your birds is good for your birds and it's good for your bird dogs um, you know that that's something that i I think most people are not aware of uh, or do not take advantage of. There are a few more topics that I feel are of value and importance uh to discuss with homing pigeons, but I think uh we've covered enough to here today in this show for you to go back to your lofts and look at your medicine cabinets and see uh what you can uh improve upon uh with your whole pigeon setup and situation. So this is Setter Talk. I am your host, Kyle Warren, and until next time, give your setter a scratch in the head for me and have a great day.